Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Swimming. I mean, <laughs> can't swim. It's, it's raining, but it's a little chilly yeah. for swimming. Our ducks are swimming. But <laughs> Brady and raring to go. Yeah. And you and I talked a little bit, and we decided, where's the most exciting thing going on right now? <laughs> of course, the world's falling apart. The country's totally bankrupt. The world is about to embark on a huge war. And the whole world is going to collapse because of the fiat currency. Other than that, we couldn't find anything. Yeah, everything's perfect. <laughs> so there's a calm day. I guess we'll take advantage of it, and uh, maybe we'll find something. And who knows? While we speak, who knows what might happen? Yeah. So, yeah. but for the, the first part is we're going to start off with talking about a few events that are important. Yeah. And uh, they've caught caught our attention. I want to start off with, uh, you know, this whole thing about uh, um, San Francisco. Yeah, my old stomping grounds. San Francisco is, is a mess, and uh, but the people of San Francisco, they they don't they they don't get any say about this. Their city's a mess, but it gets messier, and they have to live with it. And there's a lot of crime out there. There's a lot of filth. But um, I understand they found some money and they found some laborers and they're going to clean up the city. Yeah. And, you know, they did already. Yeah. Hauled away a lot of trash, cleaned up the sewers that last for a day or two. But uh, they wanted to have a good showing and set a good example for a communist coming to town. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Chinese leaders coming and... Uh, of course, uh, the governor out there is playing his political games, but I, I think that is, uh, you, you know, a, a point where they 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 can do what they want, uh, but uh, if it's for the taxpayer, it doesn't seem. Matter of fact, this is just a burden for the taxpayers, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they don't get any real help, and. Uh, but they, they shifted around. But I don't know if you saw it, but they also built walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. They built, they're against walls, all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm against walls, too, but it's ironic that they're building walls. To, and, and it's, it's uh, uh, to protect, protect this famous leader, you know. So we have to take care of our communist friends. Yeah. And I'm cynical on that, but then I'm always, <laughs> I'd much rather talk to them when they're willing to. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should have done a lot more talking, uh, you know, with our so-called enemies. But we need enemies, and uh, it, if he's if he's not careful, uh, they're going to make this go too far, and we'll be too friendly. And the military-industrial complex won't get as many contracts in. Yeah. So, so they have to be very careful. But anyway, uh, the um, the city is changing, and um, and, and it's going to be temporary, uh, but. Uh, we will have to wait and see what comes of it. I don't think, I don't think there'll be big demonstrations. There are more demonstrations over the Middle East than there's going to be about uh, Jing coming yeah. to San Francisco. Yeah. Well, you know, Gavin Newsom, California mayor, or California governor, he was just over in China. He went to visit uh, with Xi Jinping. They had a good time. My guess is, and I've been to China. My guess is that he looked around and saw that the streets in China are pretty clean. You know, they're pretty clean. And so San Francisco is going to host the Asia Pacific Economic Summit uh, coming up here in a day or two. 
And so he probably was a little bit embarrassed about how our own free, our free market here in the U.S. looks. Um, if you can put up that first clip, this is from the Daily Mail. Um, this is what we're talking about. San Francisco cleans up its filthy streets as Xi Jinping visits from China. In the span of a few days, the city scrubbed seven intersections in the notorious Tenderloin in south of Market, leaving the hotspots almost unrecognizable. I lived on the edge of the Tenderloin for a while, Dr. Paul, so I know how bad it was, but that was 30-some years ago. We know that it's way, way worse now. Um, and go to the next one because this is, uh, it's pretty funny. You're going to love this clip. You probably saw it. Also absent after the cleanup was the open-air drug den directly outside the Pelosi building. <laughs> the Pelosi building is an open-air drug den. They got rid of the, uh, the drug addicts there. Um, and it said it, they've been there for months. The city officials elected to use the money, the more than $2.8 billion, to fix it up. Well, they use it on humanitarian and outreach efforts, i.e. they hired a bunch of social workers to sit around <laughs> doing nothing. Um, you can actually just leave it up really quick because um, city officials this week took a different approach. With President Joe Biden set to meet with Jinping for the first time in a year at the Moscone Center, da -da 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 -da, the person who spoke to the Post posited that once the politicians were gone, the state of the neighborhood, along with the nearby Tenderloin, uh, will return to the state it once was. And you know, this sort of reminds me of Dr. Paul, is that old story about the Potemkin village, uh, where the, 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 Russia, the, the czarist Russian official was coming into town, and they put up uh, fake storefronts, so it looked like it was a very <laughs> profitable and successful little village, you know, but behind it, it was empty. You know, and that's the kind of thing you'd almost think that, it, that the communists would do back in the Cold War, is have this <coughs> fake looking, look how successful our five-year plan is. In that's reality, a, it's in shambles. That's San Francisco. It's point. so typical of government, in, 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 you know, just routinely. They're always fibbing and lying and propagandizing. But, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi had something to say about this, uh, you know, about a wall. You know, I think it's just when... Uh, Trump was building a wall. She says a wall is an immorality. And she was opposed to it. And then she whispered, except when we have to protect ourselves in yeah. our gated communities. Exactly, so, exactly. So she, uh, she was complaining back then. And uh, <coughs> he, for opposing this, uh, but uh, she would never think, now, I don't like walls, I'll tell you, I don't, and I don't think that's a solution. But if you're going to compare walls to walls, uh, walls, you know, the far left would think just, even if you would brand the, uh, uh, you, you know, expand the definition of a wall, just the protection of borders, just anybody marching in and, and making it an invasion. Uh, no, you can't do that. But you can build walls uh, to protect the elite, and that's okay. Uh, and you can protect the wall to protect communist leaders. <laughs> but uh, I guess no, no big deal. Probably no big demonstrations. That's that's fine. There's gonna, buy. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of demonstrations today over the people who are in disagreement with uh, the president on his Middle Eastern policy. You know, with uh, Palestinians and yeah. Israel. Yeah. That's a that's a big deal. A big deal. Well, let's do a little. Let's do a little bit of a slideshow here. Um, let's do that next picture. Now, this is the old San Francisco. <laughs> And you can see it looks, uh, I, yeah, it looks like you'd want to drop a few thousand dollars on a vacation there, right? <laughs> take the kids, take the kids and do the next one. Here's the, also the old San Francisco sitting around having a nice time. It really does look like that. But 
when Xi Jinping's coming and when Joe Biden is coming, well, here's what it looks like. Go to the next one. Wow, <laughs> how amazing. Even the pigeons are out back on the streets. Do the next one. There's one more. And here are the walls you were talking about. Probably keep the bums from passing out and shooting up uh, all around town. So they have these little sort of gateway checkpoints. But it's just funny because, and a lot of people commented on uh, Twitter X about this, that, yeah, they'll clean it up. It just shows that it can be done. The city can be cleaned. It can look nice. They just choose not to do it. So that, that fits into the argument that, uh, you know, the chaos uh, and the mess that we have in our cities is not, uh, you know, just sort of accidental and it's unfortunate. Some people believe it's deliberate because it, it's the chaos that they want to play on. And now they're coming in and saying, but the, Chi the Chinese and the uh, communists know how to do it, so we'll treat them differently. And that would fit the scenario of people who actually uh, was uh, paying attention to cultural Marxism yeah. and all the other things that we do to, to move uh, to get people moving toward that, uh, yeah. that position in politics. Yeah, it's, uh, well, we'll see. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. If I lived there and I had to walk through that every day, I wouldn't be happy. And all the stores are closing, too. Like, Market Street, we used to walk down Market Street, it was a really nice area, everything was nice, my wife worked down there. You wouldn't go down there at all these days, so it's a, it's a sad story. Well, speaking of, <laughs> of more decline, it's not just San Francisco. As Nixon said, it's not just in the ratty part of town. Um, go to the next clip, because in Chicago, people were desperate to leave Venezuela. <laughs> they were desperate to leave an authoritarian country with a socialist economic system. Put on that next clip. Well... It didn't turn out so well. Migrant family journeys back to Venezuela. More are leaving Chicago as winter looms. The American dream doesn't exist anymore is the quote. <laughs> They're going back. <laughs> it's worse than Chicago. <laughs> it's not worse than Chicago. Chicago is worse than Venezuela. You know, this is somewhat related, but Brownstone, uh, which is an interesting uh, uh, magazine outlet, uh, had a story recently. Ha has the has the U.S. lost its first world status? Uh -huh. It's a very good article, and uh, but it it talks about exactly what we're looking at, and and the answer is is I th I think it is true <laughs> that you, you know financial. I think there's a new new rating again today. The rating oh, down yeah. our and negative. That, that's uh, that they can't uh, control as well. That's a that's a much bigger financial statistic, and uh, when you lower that uh, the uh, statistics for our bonds, you know, and and it seems like they're able to just sort of forget about that, you know, thirty-three trillion dollars worth of debt, one trillion dollars a year just on interest, and then on and on, and they play these games, and they're looking for the next war to start or something like that, distract the people, but uh, th this whole thing. You, you have people leaving uh, Chicago, yeah. and I, I think it's sort of a little silly, but uh, they, they said it's too cold. Yeah. I said, well, where's, where's the global warming? That's right. Why don't they have a little global warming there? But they're leaving and they don't like it. But uh, that I don't think there's a net number leaving yet, but I think a net number is sick and tired of what's going on. Yeah. Because as some some come uh, some leave, and uh, I guess we're paying we're paying their way out too. Yeah, uh, but I think those are numbers. But it is it is significant because you know they're 
dream of coming to America didn't quite work out the way they thought. Yeah. That, uh, that is definitely the, the, the case. And, and they're, they're leaving. At the same time, they're passing some Venezuelans are still coming yeah, in. True, so true. It, uh, it is really mixed, uh, a mixed bag. And I think when you look at uh, allies throughout the world, there's such a mixture and they change all the time. And how can certain countries gang up? It's, it's never talk about volunteerism, bring countries together who would have gentlemen's agreement that we will trade with you if you trade with us yeah. <laughs> and, and we will associate with you. But no, that never see, seems to happen. There's always somebody wants a special deal until all the deals run out until the country goes bankrupt. And I think this again is, yeah. a, is a bankruptcy financially and morally on, on what we're witnessing in, in San Francisco as an example. But San Francisco, we pick on them, but you, we could pick on just like the uh, Brownstone article, yeah. they picked on the whole system, yeah. you know, of, uh, of looking badly, you know. Well, they left a failed socialist system in Venezuela and they came to a failed socialist <laughs> system in the U.S. Yeah. Maybe there's something there in it. But let's look at a couple quotes from the article because it's worth looking at. And uh, let's put on that next clip. The American dream, uh, go back once, please. Yeah, one more. There we go. The American dream doesn't exist anymore, said Castellanos. He laid on a blanket on the bare floor of the station in the afternoon before they left. There's nothing here for us. Migrants said they're realizing the city is at a breaking point. Not only is there no more space in shelters, they also acknowledge that some residents in Chicago oppose the opening of more shelters for them. Castillon said, despite the dangerous trek to get there, often begging for money and sleeping on the streets to cross borders, the journey had not been worth it. You shouldn't have gone to Chicago. Go to the next one. He said the family decided to seek asylum in the U.S. because of the extreme poverty in which they were living in Venezuela under Venezuela's authoritarian regime, but the trip wasn't worth it. We just want to be home, he said. If we're going to be sleeping on the streets here, we'd rather be sleeping on the streets over there. So there you have it. You know, our governor is going to have to pay attention to this because a lot of them got up there because he bust them out yeah, of Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe uh, somebody will want to make a point and bust them back to Texas. Yeah. But uh, what, what a mess. That's all I can say. And it makes no sense. And we have gone from great prosperity, uh, a uh, maximum amount of freedom for average for the for the world in world history and it's all being dissipated it's all disappearing before our eyes and uh, it was so slow in that it didn't happen uh, you know on a one a certain date uh, you know it, you know it's easy to date the disintegration of our uh, of our society and uh uh, by, by over a hundred years of uh, progressivism, yeah. the way it started, and it's ideological, it's uh, destruction of money, and it's the giving up of personal liberty, the the defect in economic education, you know. It and I think uh, really, uh, it, it's uh, basically there's a, uh, you know the the morality thing plays a part in this because both. Morality is required to have sound money, but morality uh, is required in the people who are supposed to not uh, corrupt our, uh, you know, legal system. You know, that's that's just personal immorality because we've had a legal system just totally disintegrating. But uh, it, it, it isn't because the system is failing. It's the people who are failed to make use of it and uh, be able to bring about a little bit of justice. It's uh, it's just, you know, total control. And I think it's the loss of freedom that is really the, the sinister evil that we have to deal with. Yeah.
Well, let's move on, Dr. Paul. We got, we, you, you mentioned the Middle East, and there's a lot going on there. Um, but we want to just kind of keep an eye on something that we've been looking at, which we think, I think, is a potential real hotspot. And that's what's going on in Syria and Iraq. And if you put that next clip up, U.S. launches third round of airstrikes on eastern Syria, but deterrence is failing. So on Sunday, the Pentagon carried out a third round of airstrikes against targets in eastern Syria, which U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin described as precision strikes against an Iran-linked training facility near Abu Kamal and a safe and a site near the city of Mayadeen. The president has no higher priority than the safety of U.S. personnel, and he directed today's action to make clear that the U.S. will defend itself, its personnel, and its interests. And if you go to the next one, someone put this uh, graphic up uh, on, on Twitter X, 52 attacks on U.S. military forces since October 17th. And if you notice, many of those attacks are in Iraq. And that's what's very interesting about this because it's not just Syria, it's Iraq. And they're getting, uh, they're attacking the U.S. It was a few days ago that Secretary Blinken said, I've got one word for, for all of you out there who are thinking of attacking our bases. Don't. And then they kept doing it and they kept doing it. So this is something that's simmering below the surface that threatens to explode. And it potentially big spreading of all this. And, yeah. and they, this involves Iran because Iran's bases, uh, people are attacking our bases. That's, that's a major part of it. And <clears throat> the, the, I want to take a, a quote from that article you were talking about. The Biden administration had at first touted that these would deter further aggression on U.S. troops but they have clearly not done it. Yeah. Hasn't, hasn't done it. But that's what they say. But what, what, do they, what do they say about people who oppose things like that? You know, if you happen to be in the Congress and you say that, they want to probably discipline you, yeah. you know, because, oh, you un, you're un-American. Yeah. You know, you're saying, you're saying this isn't going to do. This is, uh, this is the way we're going to prevent the, the problems. And they'll get frightened. They'll stop. And, and they, they won't attack our bases anymore. And isn't it amazing that they talk about our bases? We've been attacked attacked by our bases by the people whose countries we're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the Iraqi people, I know there are a lot of factions. The, the people that live in, in Iraq and Syria and all these places, they, they attack us. And it's, oh, oh they, they've attacked us, you know, so we, we, have to, we have to punish them and we have to be tougher. It has nothing to do with this idea that it's just retaliation against what we're doing. How many miles? Six, seven, eight thousand miles away. We have bases, and yeah. and, and it, it just goes, goes on and on, and they they never stop and think. And people say, you know, you hear it routinely, whether it's conservative or liberal, the stations say, you know, we just can't let them get away with attacking us like this. Well, why don't we just get out of their way? We're in their country, you know, but. So far, so far, I, I gave him my two cents worth, and it probably wasn't worth two cents because not much has come of it. <laughs> well, you know, the whole rationale, if you remember back 20-some years ago, we're going to attack Iraq because we want to give them a democracy where the people can make their own choices, not this dictator Saddam Hussein. So we overthrew him. We tried to overthrow uh, Assad in Syria for that same reason, to let the people decide. So in Iraq, a liberated Iraq, the people of Iraq, through their elected leaders, have decided to make alliances uh, with different militia. And, you know, this whole Iran proxy thing is, is absurd. 
because we have alliances, we have NATO, um, uh, you know, we don't say that it's a UK proxy. I mean, they have allies, those allies have militias there. They are there legally according to international law because they were invited there. And the US is the outlaw, as you said. We have bases there that they don't want. They don't want us there. They've asked us to leave. We occupy their country. So there's this idea in a lot of Americans, and they're trying to get us to go to war with Iran, but the idea that they're not allowed to have Iranian-backed militia forces on their territory, of course they can. They can do whatever they want. They have sovereignty. Uh, oh, well, they're attacking us. Well, we're there illegally. <laughs> we're occupying territory. You know, they, sometimes they come back at us and they say, well, you guys are non-interventionists. You, you, you're not supposed to be involved. And just because there's two countries out there fighting, uh, why are you complaining? What authority do you have to get involved in the Palestinian and the Israeli war? Well, it's, it's because we're part of it. Yeah. We're part of it in Syria, part of a major part of Ukraine. We, you know, we stimulate and motivate people to fight. We pay for all the money. We build all the weapons. And uh, and yet they they say that if if you get involved, oh, you shouldn't be involved. You remember how often they would say Zelensky, he gets to make <laughs> the decision. Yeah, right. You know, he gets to decide when to drop the bombs. We would never tell him what to do. <laughs> what a bunch yeah. of garbage. Well, <laughs> it is a serious thing because they're trying to get gin up this war with with Iran uh, because they want to say that Iran is attacking American troops. That's the scenario they want to have without the rest of the story, as they say. Yeah. We're there illegally, and the, if there are any Iranian-backed people there, they're there with the explicit permission of the government. Um, put on that one next clip, though. This is Zero Hedge has a good write-up of, of one aspect of it, and, and people should really pay attention to this. Um, he says, the U.S. has some 1,000 or more troops and personnel in Syria for years. Originally claiming a counter-ISIS mission, the U.S. mission quickly became an oil and gas resource grab, <laughs> ultimately with an eye toward regime change in Damascus <clears throat> via suffocating sanctions and diverting of domestic energy. Now there are fears U.S. troops are fast getting drawn into a broader conflict related to Israel's operations in Gaza and against Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. So they're there to occupy and to steal, and when the locals say we want you out um, but you have a thousand people there and we've talked about injuries I think 50 some injured so far uh, and that's gonna rise you know the American people are pretty gullible when they hear the explanation well we were over there <coughs> doing the Lord's work and we're bringing about peace and we are the peacemakers and we're taking care of people uh, so th this is a uh, uh, a reason why we should take the oil, because uh, otherwise, uh, y you know, who's going to pay for all this? So they use that as just justification. And a lot of Americans really like that. Yeah. Oh, you mean I, they won't wear as my taxes to go out there and do all this wonderful stuff for people and save save democracy <laughs> for <laughs> Iraq and all these other places where obviously uh, their their liberties are diminished and ours are at home just yeah. as uh, just as fast as overseas and as fast as our pocketbooks are diminished. Yeah. well i'm going to close out i think if if you think we're done dr paul and i just want to put up a photo that uh that's going around on x twitter x today um just to show that things are more complicated in gaza than we think now we know that eleven thousand uh, gazans have been killed including i think at least five thousand children now um but it's not a one-sided war there's the information is heavily controlled by both sides but these are all uh, Israeli armored 
uh, vehicles, tanks and armored vehicles near the Hydar Junction in Gaza. So um, they are finding themselves sucked into kind of a quagmire there, and they're taking a lot of losses, a lot more than are being reported. So it's important to keep an eye on this aspect of it. That might be why uh, it's expanding and may continue to expand. Um, but I'll just finally say thanks again for joining the show. Please subscribe, please like, please comment, please tell your friends. Help us try to grow our audience uh, and build a better cause for peace. So, Dr. Paul, over to you. Very good. And I want to follow up once again by thanking our viewers for tuning in today because it's very important for us to have people interested in what we're doing. So we like to hear from you. We'd like you to s spread the message and expand our ability to reach, uh, reach more people. So, but uh, this, this whole thing, though, uh, in U Ukraine is uh, something that is, you know, going to be there for a while longer. And it's amazing to me that uh, people, uh, people know the war is over now, I think. Before, they'd listen to Zelensky and they'd listen to the propagandists here at home. But the propagandists here at home have shifted it because they've spent enough money. They need to go to fertile fields another time to spend more money on somebody else. So they, they move around and, and move along. But it, it, it's uh, amazing how often people say, we, well, we have to win. We don't want to, uh, we, we, we don't want to turn tail and run, which is what we always do in a, in a real sense. Because if we're going around the world on false pretense that we're going to make the world safer <laughs> democracy or spread our message of liberty, it's a farce. And uh, things will end up worse. And right now we're on the verge of some serious readjustments throughout the world. And uh, nobody escapes it because the world has been built on fiat money and with the dollar as the base. And it is coming under attack. And there's no way that they, we as a nation or the world can get out of this without the liquidation of debt and all the male investment and all the involvement we have. So the liquidation comes and people say, oh, well, just don't pay the bills. That isn't the way governments do it. You could do it that way, liquidate debt. Individuals can do that on occasion. But the way it's always, almost always liquidated uh, is by the uh, printing of money and paying it off with paper money it has less and less value every single day. So it's a big problem and a big tragedy is uh, as this mess grows, systematically it undermines our liberty and just think, we read more and more articles on control on personal expression and universities and uh, it's, it's, it's so, so bad that if they undermine, which they're doing, undermining the people's ability to speak out, and these are the universities that uh, have been around long, long, long time defending uh, freedom of speech. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. We have countries, and they talk about China. China has uh, invested in our universities. A lot of countries invest in our university. We talk about progressivism, at least I do, sort of in, in a narrow sense. The progressive is bad information, and yes, they have morphed over into wanting to rule the world, and they believe in cultural Marxism, and they undermine the system, the judicial system, the whole work. But now it's dawned on me that one thing that we do with our you know, uh, funds when we do foreign aid or whatever we do, we pass it out. Is that the condition?
that money, they give donations back to the college to help promote uh, these uh, cultural Marxist ideas. So the university system is in sad shape. That is why we have to really emphasize our ability to get our message out and uh, hopefully we can sort it all out where the tremendous value of the internet can be saved in many ways compared to people saying, yeah, you're right, you're right, that's why we have to close it down. And that, that is the dangerous thing. It's, it, it is under attack, our ability to express ourselves. And if we can't express ourselves without going to prison, we're in bad shape. I was thinking the other day, I think it was, I, I couldn't believe the number. I think this, the article said 30,000 people were arrested during the Civil War by Lincoln because they wouldn't agree on the, to the war. Well, uh, there's a lot of people now, I don't think, hopefully there's no 30,000, but there's a lot of people who get punished indirectly, you know, because they don't toe the line. You know, whether it's science and medical profession, pharmaceuticals, the whole works has all, all been distorted by the fact that uh, governments are so strong that you can be punished if you don't toe the line and send out the message they want you to spend. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.